You're listening to Wander and Roam. Squeakers! Oh, what's going on, Alder? Um, can you think of a, a fable or a story that you heard early on in your life that impacted you? Oh, as a matter of fact, I, I think I, I, I know one. This is a story about a turtle and a bunny. There was this bunny who thought he could run mighty fast. And he went up to a turtle and said, Hey, I bet I could beat you in a race. The turtle said, Well, I think that uh, I could beat you in a race. Well, the bunny said, Let me make you a wager then. If I win, I get your house. And the turtle said, Well, if I win, then I get your life. That sounds excessive and very one-sided. I know, you would think so. Well, on the day of the race, the bunny took off at the sound of the starting pistol, running a lot faster than the turtle. Well, the turtle turned to the crowd and said, Hey, what, what's that? What, look over there, look over there. And the bunny got distracted, turning and tripping, rolling its ankle, crashing to the ground. Well, that disqualified the bunny, which means that by default, the turtle won. So, the moral of the story is, uh, if you can't beat them, trick them. That's far different from the version I heard. Well, I I don't know what you heard. As a new day breaks, Aldern, Raindrop, Squeakers, and Hamish climb a narrow trail into the hills that look over the moor. A cool wind brings them the familiar scent of home and the sound of soft, shapeless words as they come to a narrow pass tucked away between two white stone cliffs each carved with rows upon rows of statues, showing all types of animal folk dressed in robes from a bygone time. This is the Whispering Canyon. (sighs) Guys, this seems like a long way to walk. We have been at it for a long time. I miss Cracker Jack. I wish I didn't leave her at that stable. You know, I hadn't thought about that. For my bees, I've got this whistle that I can blow, and it makes a silent sound that calls my bees from wherever in the world they may have roamed. Do you happen to have something like that? Squeakers reaches into his pocket and produces a nickel, some lint, and a paperclip. Says, uh, no. You can't, like, flick that paperclip and it'll vibrate at a particular frequency? Well, I mean, I never tried. I guess uh, Squeakers bends the paperclip up and gives it a quick flick with a... An unrelated beetle flies by and looks at Squeakers as if to say, Are you talking to me? Squeakers gets a confused look on his face and says to the beetle, you want to, like, give us a ride for a little while? The beetle holds up a sign that says, I'll pass, and flies away. Yeah. Yeah, That's worth a shot. Convenient he had that sign ready. Yeah, he must decline a lot of things. (laughs) When you're a pack animal, I think that you get a lot of offers that you don't necessarily want to take. I wish I had one of those signs. Well, you have something on your paw. Oh, yeah, it says don't. Hey, look, a beautiful sunrise. Oh... As the gang watches the sunrise crest the mountain, the light drenches the walls of the cliffs, revealing hundreds of statues. Wow. Those aren't real people, are they? I don't know. Go ask them. Hey! An echo comes back. I I couldn't tell if it was like they're actually saying hello back to me or if that's a whisper. What's your name? I guess we'll probably just have to walk a little bit closer. Let's go investigate some of these rock folk. The first statue is a very tall, slender, 
egret. My, my, what a majestic bird. Huh, it looks very distinguished. Stately bird like this really suits the white stone carving and old-fashioned robes of a statue of this type. Look at the workmanship here. You get closer and you can see that whoever made these actually put like wrinkles in the robes and you see where the feet are depressing on the ground? Yeah, you can see how it looks soft, but if I touch it here, yeah, it's like solid. It's made of stone. As Squeakers and Hamish draw close to the statue of the egret, they hear a voice on the wind saying, Fly wide, fly far. Did you hear that, Squeakers? I heard it. I just thought that that was in my own brain. Could it have been the statue? Are these statues actually people that were turned into statues because they were cursed? Well, I, I think more what he meant was like the wind blows over it and makes a whistling sound that sounds like a voice to us who behold it. I don't know. Well, let's go check out another statue and see if it happens again. You know, a little experiment. The gang walks down. They see another statue, this time of a bull. Are you real, Mr. Bull? The bull looks down and says... Yeah, I'm I'm real. Whoa, whoa. Oh. I thought you were a statue there. Sorry, I, my fur is covered in dust. Let me just... The bull brushes off the white dust that is covering him, revealing <laughs> a tall bull. My name's uh, Ferdinand. Uh, I uh, carved these uh, statues. You, you carved these? All of them, yeah. They're so cool. They're so lifelike. They're what you would call uh, my life's work. How long have you been carving them? Well, how long, uh, how long have you been alive? Forever. We don't like to talk to Aldrin about his age. Somewhere between 70 years old and 132. I'm not somewhere in there. He's lost his math. Oh. <laughs> we believe that this pass might be the way home. Really, this workmanship is, is quite fine. Uh, my friend Hamish and I were just admiring how well the carvings look. The quality of it harkens back to another age. I didn't think people knew how to do this anymore. Oh, well, let me tell you, it's been a long time of honing my craft to get to this point. You see, that egret is my most recent work. Are you a ghost? No, I was just... You have to tell me if you're a ghost. It's true. The law says if you're a ghost, you have to tell us. Because we've been meeting a lot of ghosts over the course of this trip. and So many. You know, they are always talking in riddles, and I just want to get right to the chase. If you're a ghost or a spirit or some sort of a god... Maybe a devil, like the gecko? I don't want to discriminate against devils, but I do hope you're not a devil. If you're a devil... So help me. Because I have horns. A lot of people have made that assumption about me, which is quite hurtful. I want it noted that I went to ghost first. That's that's fair. Why are you not answering the question, Answer Ferdinand? the question, ghost. Well, if you'll give me a moment to speak, maybe I'll be able to answer your question. Okay, you don't gotta get passive aggressive. Raindrop just pokes his shin and finds a sturdy... Get him. Get him, Raindrop. Not a ghost, then. Not a ghost. But be a solid I ghost. I don't think. Yeah, I think that he might be one of them solid ghosts. Plinka dinka. No, no, not one of them. I'm an artisan by trade. I, I've, I've literally lived here my entire life. In fact, this many is, lifetimes. This is my life's work. Ferdinand, all of these, stop all of these statues. Us. 
Why Stop are you interrupting us. me? You asked me a question. You don't want me to answer. What happened to you guys? Stop telling. What <laughs> happened to you guys to make you so unwilling to listen to somebody try to tell you I that they're not a you, ghost? Okay, I, you just said that, but in, in a form of like a simple declaration, I want you to say I am not a ghost. Like I, Ferdinand, am not a ghost. Yes. But Did you, you mean that? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, we're so happy to have met you, Ferdinand. Yeah, it was nice to meet you. My name is Aldrin Feathersby. I'm Raindrop, and I've also noticed a suspicious lack of ducklings in your statues, and I think that's a little not cool. That's actually a really good point. What was your name again? I'm Raindrop. Nice to meet you. Raindrop, if you'll indulge me, will you walk with me? Because I think you bring up a very valid point. Huh. Now, if you carve her statue of her, it's not going to trap her soul, is it? Oh. Oh, I, I haven't trapped one soul yet. How many souls have you trapped? Oh, yet. Carry on. <laughs> so I'm either safe or I'll be the first. Ferdinand walks slowly with his arms behind his back next to Raindrop. And he says, you asked me why there aren't many ducklings mm. as statues here. And let me tell you, what, what do you see here? What, what commonality do you think all these statues have? Well, they're all wearing robes, so I think you're going for a little theme. Ducklings can wear robes. I mean, mm -hmm. we're a little short, so they bunch a little at the feet, but I think they can also still wear them. Mm. Well, let me say this way. This place is a memorial <gasps> to those who have done well for this world. Okay. If you turn here, you'll see that this is not a duckling, but rather a duck. Raindrop, someday you'll grow up. Oh. You won't be a duckling anymore, but you'll be a, a strong, bright duck. Hmm. The things that you've done will compound and become greater than you could ever imagine. The secrets will be brought to light, huh? Oh no, not this guy again. Well, what was that? It's me, my name is Edgar. A raven swoops down from the top of the statues and lands in front of Ferdinand and Raindrop. I see you brought visitors, Ferdinand. No, they they were walking through. This is a public road. Like a lot of people use this space to, to travel from one place to another. Yes, yes, we all travel from one place to another. Huh? Raindrop, don't listen to this guy. As they say that, a pack of raccoons ambles past with bindles slung over their shoulder. Ferdinand turns to Raindrop and says, listen, this guy is no good, all right? Okay. Don't listen to a word he says. Okay. He's gonna try to fill your head full of nonsense. Oh, no. He hangs out here and contributes nothing to my work. Well, maybe he just wants to be your friend and likes your company. Edgar, do you want to be my friend? Well, what is a friend? Okay, you see my point? Uh, I, I am here as your opposite. The shadow to every light. We have this conversation every single day of my life. As long as there has been a Ferdinand, there has been an Edgar. Oh. It's awful, quite frankly. You don't have to be mean. I am stating facts. Squeakers <laughs> turns to Aldern and says, I think that these two have some beef that they need to work out. Should we send back for a counselor, like a therapist, once we reach the heath? No, no! Instead of going to therapy, come here! And he rounds a corner. Ooh. Oh, don't, don't, don't. I'm a little intrigued because it seems very mysterious. Raindrop, you can do whatever you want, 
you are an individual mm -hmm. with the ability to choose. If I were to counsel you, mm -hmm. I would say, do not go over there. Not because anything bad is going to happen, okay, that's but because research. he's just going to spout off nonsense nonstop, and you won't be able to leave. You'll miss your lunch. <gasps> no. And honestly, every day it's something new. Come over here. Come over there. Blah, blah, blah. It's the worst. <laughs> a wind blows over Raindrop and Ferdinand and carries with it a whisper saying, Large is the sky. I'm sorry, what were you saying? That's all part of my life's work. I work really hard to get the wind to say that kind of stuff. Oh, you you set that the wind. Yeah, I set that up. Oh, well, that's really impressive. It's an old family secret. Don't listen to him. He's taking credit for a metaphysical phenomenon. Listen, that is a technique that was passed down generation to generation. Oh, Ferdinand is a narcissist. Okay, well, narcissist. Listen, I recognize <laughs> that I am a very confident person. Mm. I wouldn't go so far to say narcissist. Edgar pokes his head back around the corner. Memento mori, Ferdinand. Anyway, duckling, are you coming with me? Choice is yours. I am intrigued by the ominous feeling, and I do live my life with a little spice of danger, so I'm going to follow the ominous raven. Okay, uh, well. But it was really nice meeting you, and I appreciate you telling me that I will grow up to be a statue. I think that was the moral you left, so. Well, close enough. Coming, guys, let's follow this raven. He's very ominous and spooky. But he's not a ghost, right? I don't think he's a ghost. Okay, he. we have to ask him if he's a ghost. The group rounds the corner after the raven as Raindrop scurries forward. I'm so sorry, Edgar, but are you a ghost? We have to ask. It's part of our new person checklist. No, I am no ghost. Though I may stir up stories of the past or feelings of the future. Anyway, this should be a quest of discovery for yourself. It won't be very effective if I show you where to go. Bye! And he flies off. Why did he call us over here if he was just going to fill our voice? Oh, wait, that was the nonsense that, that was. Ferdinand was talking about. We should about. have listened. Well, that was uh, two minutes. We're never going to get back. <laughs> I guess we'll just go forward. I mean, that vaguely is the direction that we need to go anyway. Frankly, I found it quite compelling how that bird talked about, you know, balance and light and shadow and a story. You know, I always felt like I'm part of a story. Yeah, and what story is that? I don't know yet. And Hamish starts walking down the pathway around the cliff after Edgar. Self-discovery isn't normally my jam, but I do love the discovery aspect, so maybe there's something cool out there. Yeah, maybe we'll find another cool stick or something. Let's go. As they turn the corner, they see down the ravine in the very center staring at a statue is a large gray wolf. If we're in a story of self-discovery, then that person is there to talk to us, maybe impart some ancient wisdom. Hamish is right. We're the people that this story's all about. Everything Therefore, anything is... we do is part of it. Yeah, everything's about us. Can you uh, keep it down, please? Says the wolf. I am on a journey of self-discovery. Oh, we heck too yeah. We're on a journey of discovery. Yeah, some some kind of discovery. Some, I don't yeah. know if it's self. What's your name there, stranger? My name is Gunny. Nice to meet you, I'm Gunny. Raindrop. This uh, is Aldern. It's Squeakers and uh, Hamish. Look, there's a whole lot of chatting going on and not a lot of soul searching. Oh, believe me, I'm searching a soul. I have a hard time being quiet. My mouth doesn't like to stay closed. 
Yeah, her mouth doesn't like to stay closed. Uh, what do you have to say about that, Gunny? I have to fill the silence. It's kind of just a habit. Hey, Gunny, ignore them. Uh, t- tell me, uh, what do you hear when you look at these statues? The valleys run deep. Is that what it says to you, or is the voice coming from a deep valley? That's the last thing they said to me. If you sit down and listen close, maybe they'll speak to you as well. Well, I do believe I'll take you up on that offer, and I'll... Let's just see here. And Hamish looks over to a patch of grass next to him and sits down in it with his legs crossed and closes his eyes. Hmm. Duckling? Yeah? Now is a moment to take some time to reflect. I can try, but holding still is not my strongest suit. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can do this. And Raindrop will inch a little bit away from the group and sit down and just try to stop her mind. A wind blows over Raindrop and says, Move, but like water. Move like water? swim in water. I'm gonna flow like water. Raindrop will stand back up and start running down the valley. Now don't wander off. Wander and Rome will be right back. folks, Addison here. If you're listening to this as it's released, Wander in Rome is nearing the end of season one. We'd like to thank you all for your support. It means the world to us to be able to share these stories with you. We'll be taking a short break after episode 23 to prepare for season two. We have a lot of exciting things in the works, including merch featuring our wonderful character art and a Patreon where you can find exclusive content from all Winterhawk shows, including a Halloween special Wander in Rome slasher that is not suitable for young listeners. Once more, thank you so much for your continued support. Like our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, leave us a review, and share this delightful show with your friends and colleagues. Our final episode of Season 1 will release on August 2nd, and Wander in Rome Season 2 will return October 4th. to know Danny. You're Danny. Who am I? Summer. I'm Summer. We are Bisexually Lit. This is a podcast about movies and life and everything in between. Two best friends who are loud and queer and love to talk about movies on and off mic and we'd like to take you along for the ride. Why did we name our podcast Bisexually Lit? Well, like, you know, A, we're bisexual. Extremely. B, we're, we're getting lit. We're giving literary and thematic readings to the movies we love. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We drop a new episode every other Monday, bi-weekly, if you will. Oh, I will. Have you ever seen something you couldn't explain? Have you ever felt like something was watching you, even when you were alone? 
Have your dreams ever started bleeding into the reality around you? Starting March 8th, join us bi-weekly as we travel around the contiguous United States sharing strange stories and discovering mysteries hidden within the vastness of America. Listen to Lower 48 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Raindrop runs down the ravine as she comes across a old, long, decrepit rope bridge. And before she can think to stop, all she hears in her mind is run like water. So she runs right over those old wooden planks and she can hear the sound of the planks breaking behind her. But she reaches the end before she stops and turns around and just sees empty ropes hanging off to the sides. And a long way down at the bottom. Squeaker's standing on the other side of the rope bridge, having chased after Raindrop. He yells over to her, Oh, hi, uh, Raindrop. Yeah. What's your plan now? You're all the way on the other side of this ravine. The wind told me to run like water, and I ran, and I'm really glad that I did, because I think I could have died. Did they just make one-use bridges? The bridge looks very old. I... I think it's been here for quite some time. I could give you a ride back if you'd like, but if the winds told you to go there, perhaps there's more to see. Ah, nuts. Self-discovery. Well, I, I guess I'll continue this way. Raindrop turns and sees a large statue of Hamish. Did you get cursed and turned to stone and now you're part of my self-discovery journey? No. If the others are here too. <laughs> Raindrop begins walking down the side of the cliff. Looking at the various statues, she begins to recognize that they're statues of people that she's met all along her journey. Oh, oh and there are those raccoon pirates. I'm not a statue. Chugga <laughs> chugga! Oh, what are you doing here, Tommy? I'm taking your nickels. Ah, Gimme. Well, here's one. Ahoy, oh, we're not robbing children. Arg. What do you think I am? You give me your money. Chugga chugga. Yar, he's got a point there. Oh. And the old grizzled raccoon hands Tommy a stack of nickels. Choo choo. And Tommy runs down further into the canyon and disappears. Well, there he goes. We'll find him again in the next town. Yar. <laughs> Getting robbed in a canyon was not something I saw on my bucket list, but yet here we are. Back some distance. Hamish and Gunny still sit silently on the ground, waiting for word from the canyon. So, uh, you, uh, you heard anything yet? Sometimes they speak in relatively quick succession, and sometimes they go days without speaking. Oh, days, um. Sit tight, my friend. So what I'm gathering from that is that maybe it's not so much about the actual voice, more it's like introspection. Is that what I'm getting? Because I can introspect, but if it's something I'm going to have to do, then I have to know it. I've come here on something of a spiritual journey, and I found a place that speaks to me spiritually and physically. I see, I see. You know, I used to do a lot of that kind of thing, but somewhere along the way, I just kind of lost sight of it and started, like, 
I don't know. Going on ghost adventures? Maybe it's time that you, uh, find that part of yourself again. You know, uh, and Hamish looks down at his hand and the word don't is written on it. And he says, what if I have to do? And he sits down and he closes his eyes. He sits and he waits for the wind and it says nothing. Over by the ravine, Aldern and Squeakers begin looking for a way to cross over to get over to Raindrop. Aldern, you said that you could, like, fly us over there? I could fly us over if you'd like. I was thinking we could check out that formation up there towards the top of the ravine. Aldern points, and there is a series of statues placed on top of the ravine that rather than carved stone are just blocks. That is interesting. Why don't we go and investigate that? Seems like Raindrop's doing all right. She's hanging out with the pirates. She's fine. Aldern flaps his wings and Squeakers jumps up onto his back and they both glide up towards the rock formation. As they settle there and inspect the stones, they see that they are carved blocks of stone as they stand there, the sun continues to rise in the sky, piercing directly through the center of these carved stones and down into the valley, landing on one statue. Oh. See that, like, light beam? That is fascinating. Within Aldern's blazer, there is a rustling, as Seneth, the god of a single sunbeam, rests itself free from the blazer and leaps into the sunbeam, gliding down towards the statue. Oh, um, don't go too far. We could just follow him and see where it goes. Let's see. They gracefully glide down to the foot of the statue that's illuminated by the sunbeam. And looking up, they see that this robed person is a crocodile. Why do you think that he put the stones up there to illuminate this guy? Zenith, does this mean anything to you? Seneth, having taken the form of a sunflower on the head of the crocodile, seems to inexplicably shrug. I have never seen a flower shrug before. From around the corner, Ferdinand walks up towards Squeakers and Alder. Why does the sun shine on this statue? I didn't actually put those stones up there. When I started carving out this mountain, uh, they were already there. In fact, this statue was the first statue that I ever carved. Why did you carve it here? Well, when I saw the beam of light hit this part of the mountain, I was inspired. And I began to just chip away at the mountain. This was the being that was trapped in the mountain. I mean, not literally trapped, but... In my mind's eye, I, I saw this person. Do they have a name? Have you named the statue? I don't worry about naming these statues. Uh, you see, the way that it kind of works is that I've realized that as I've found these statues, that they really represent people that 
exist. They're real people. And I don't, I can't explain it to you, but, uh, you know, I just help find the people in the statue. The stone speaks to you, and you carve the semblance of a living person within the stones. Have you met someone before who you have carved? As a matter of fact, yes, I have. Ferdinand turns and points across the ravine, showing the statue of Hamish. Still meditating on the grass, Hamish's groundhog ears begin to twitch with irritation. He grumbles a bit. Hans, Farnet, don't do wind. Dag, nabbit. Do. Do. Don't. Don't. No, concerned. I've been going throughout this whole land, hither and yon, here and there. I've been trying, looking for a story around me, and I just can't seem to get past the call of adventure. When do I get into my meat? When do I find my dark night of the soul? Hither. Thither. Yon. Gunny, you've set me up for nothing but frustration. I wish I could help you, Hamish. Enough of your guff. I'm stepping over here and not listening to you. La, 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 la. Farewell. Huh. And Hamish sits down in a huff. On the wind, he hears, past the call. Past the call? You'd think I would have noticed something. Like, wait a minute. And he looks up, waits for the breeze. And he sees his bees, 95 bees in a single file, flying over him and past him and down the canyon. And he sits and he thinks and he looks down. I never done seen my bees just ignore me like that. Hey, 75. Hey, 43. I'm, I'm right here. But the bees don't come back. I don't know what's happening here. And he looks down, and when he looks up again, every statue is a beautiful adult duck. One holds a sword, one has a crown, one is carrying a ship's wheel and wearing a little sailor hat. There's a duck for every occupation, and a duck in every age of life, each one beautiful. And Hamish sits back, knocked backward by awe and he says wait a minute now it weren't my story now I'm in the story but it weren't about me raindrop raindrop I'm a coming and he runs off down the canyon raindrop continues down the ravine she comes across a cul-de-sac where there are statues but they are faceless and between each statue is a walkway leading further and further into the canyon. She stands into the center, not knowing which way to go. Um, well, I don't know if this is a metaphor or if I'm literally lost, but it seems like there are too many directions to go in. And I don't know which way to go. Hamish? Squeakers? Two of the statues that she is standing between transform into Squeakers and Hamish. Oh. What can I tell to you, small duck? Who? Oh, you speak. Only in your mind, duck. And I'm here too. 
I feel like we're missing someone, and she'll uh, conjure up an image of Altern. I, too, am here. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was a little concerned. You were a little late to the party, so I didn't know if you had passed. You didn't call for me. Oh, oh, I did. You never call anymore. Oh, no. Hey, Duck. I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Raindrop. I think you guys should all know my name. Raindrop. Just On the wind, a voice echoes through the canyon saying, Names have power here. Raindrop. Mighty pleasure to meet you, Raindrop. Raindrop is reminded of the moment that she first met Squeakers and when she first met Aldern and when she first met Hamish. And instead of feeling lost, she's feeling very at home. Take a seat and reminisce a while. A day, a month, a year. Sit down and join the past. And I'm here, too. <laughs> Sit with us, Raindrop. Well, I guess it wouldn't hurt. Raindrop will sit crisscross applesauce in the center of this cul-de-sac and start to reminisce. The sun seems to move quicker in the sky. Raindrop staying in one place and reminiscing as time passes around her, but she is stuck in her memories. A short ways behind, Hamish runs in a mad dash, drums beating in his imagination. Raindrop, I'm a-coming for you. Ferdinand stands looking at the statue. He pulls out his tools and chips away slightly at a small patch near the toes of the crocodile. You know, I, I keep trying to improve. Sometimes when I see my old works, I just... The toes just aren't right, and the... Aldern takes a look at the statue and sees that it looks as if what before was a full toe is now broken and healed. And he says, Do you think that perhaps rather than improving on your old work, you are carving them to reflect what is now? That's an interesting way to think about it. I just, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I just get these feelings that it's not quite right, and I have to make some adjustments. Something needs to change. Yeah. Let's go take a look at that statue of Hamish. Senith, come along. Aldern heads towards the statue of Hamish and turns to see the flower that is Senith still implanted on the head of this crocodile. Oh, Aldern, you know that Senith always comes back. We just need to, like, let them do them. We'll catch up with them. Um... Yes, you must remind me. I'm getting very forgetful in my old age. Please remind me to pick up Zenith before we leave the canyon. Oh, of course, of course, I'll, I'll, uh, you know me. Good, that's why we keep you around, for your whip-smart memory. As Squeakers and Aldern travel towards the statue of Hamish, they begin to see that there are differences than the Hamish that, they, that they've come to know and love. First off, he's not surrounded by bees. Second off, he's not wearing a hat. And third, he's carrying an old dusty book. The statue also has on a pair of thick glasses. Squeakers. What's going on? I don't think that's Hamish. Yeah, it just kind of 
vaguely looks like him. Very nearly looks like him, but the glasses and, and the no book. hat. I, I don't think he reads. <laughs> Didn't Hamish say that he had a brother? He did. Yeah. Those bees, uh, they belonged to, to this guy before they belonged to Hamish, right? They belonged to Hector. Yeah. That was his name. Hector. We need to find Hamish. I believe we do. This canyon has some strange energy floating around, don't it? It does. I'm a-coming for you. And Hamish barrels right past them. Hamish, come back. Not now. Hamish, it's Hector. No, I've decided not to don't. Squeakers takes off after Hamish and is followed by Aldern. When they arrive at their destination, they see Raindrop sitting crisscross applesauce alone in the middle of three faceless statues. Raindrop, you're all covered in dust. What are you, what are you doing? What's happened to you, Raindrop? Yeah, Raindrop, snap out of it. Well, what? What are you doing? Running away, sitting in front of these, well, creepy statues, frankly. Have you been sitting there all day? It's nearly night. I guess I have. You got a sunburn. Oh, no. Has it really been that long? I feel like I just sat down. I feel mighty tired here. What, this little corner of the canyon? <gasps> my, my. And Hamish looks up, and he sees around him statues of people he knew back home on the plains. I definitely go for a nap, and this is a very comforting little cul-de-sac. I mean, I feel relaxed. Oh. Raindrop. Yes? I hope you'll excuse me, but... Oh! And Hamish grabs Raindrop and hoists her into the air. Ooh. Raindrop, you gotta leave the past and follow the story into the future. And he whoops her up into the air and she flies up, up, up. Guys, guys, I can fly. You're doing it, Raindrop. Raindrop hovers in the air high above the top of the mountain. From the distant horizon, a shape draws near. Suddenly, Crackerjack swoops out of the sky and grabs Raindrop and rides down to where our friends are waiting. Uh, oh, Crackerjack! Guys, it's Crackerjack! You, you did hear the paperclip! <laughs> we found a statue of your brother. Uh... Do you want to see that? No, I'm gonna just put a pin in that and pretend you didn't say it. Raindrop! <gasps> yes! The road ahead of us stretches forward. Yes. Shall we go? Adventure calls! Squeakers turns to Aldern and says, Sounds to me like he's uh, got some stuff that he hasn't quite worked through yet. Maybe we'll work through it down the road. Hmm. I feel like there's something we're forgetting. Atop the mountain, Edgar, kneeling, rises to his feet. And into the night he cries, Forward! Ever forward! Riding on Cracker Jack, the gang crests over the mountain and a familiar sight of trees and vast swaths of land fill their senses with joy. They've reached the border of the moor and the heath. Guys, with one leg, I'm on the heath, and the other leg, I'm on the moor, and now I'm in two places at once. Wow, that was quite a time we had over there. I'm glad to be back home. Oh. Home. Yeah, okay. 
I feel the same way, honestly, Aldern. I, while it's been nice coming back to the place that we used to live, I honestly, I'm having a real hard time calling this place home. I think together, as a group, we're always home, really. But there's a lot we haven't explored yet. And nothing about my brother. Let's go! Out in the world where we wander and, and roam. roam. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> when the fireflies sleep and the rivers run deep And grass grows as high as the mighty Music for Wander and Rome is written and performed by Gary Argyle. Wander and Rome is produced by Winterhawk Podcasts and Gary Argyle. For more great shows, visit winterhawkpodcasting.com. <laughs>